0: Uh, I'm excited to be here. As Justin said, my name is uh, Michael Amatuzo. I'm the student pastor at our Carmel campus, which means I get to work closely with Matt Wheeler. Any shout out for Matt Wheeler, student pastor here? Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, This doesn't really feel like I'm away from home. I live two minutes from this campus. Uh, Actually, Matt was the only person on staff for a while who was closer to this campus than me. Um, Then he just recently, they just recently purchased a home. And so now I'm back to the closest person to this campus, even though I'm the student pastor in Carmel. And so it feels like I'm home today. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Um, But even though, so I'm Matt's counterpart. I work at the Carmel campus as a student pastor. He's here as a student pastor. Um, But we get to work closely together often because we work together on large student events. And conferences and things like that. And I just want to take a moment to say, and I'm sure many of you already know this and are appreciative of him, but you have a great student pastor uh, in Matt Wheeler here. Um, I'm grateful for his heart for the church um, and specifically for the students and the families here at Genesis, as I'm sure many of you are. I do have one complaint about Matt Wheeler. I was nervous to say this from stage, but I think I should just say it. Matt's a little too nice, right? Right? I mean, that's like the only reason you wouldn't like Matt is if you don't like nice people. Um, No, all jokes aside, I love Matt. Um, I'm grateful for him, and I'm grateful for Genesis Church, and I'm thrilled to be here today in Noblesville, uh, at the Noblesville campus, to kick off our first Sunday of 2024, um, where we're going to be uh, uh, starting off our series called Strong Start. Now... Many, uh, many of you know, like as a new year starts for us, it becomes this kind of fresh start, right? This idea of maybe a new year, what's in front of us? Don't worry, we're not asking anyone to enter into a race. That's not the purpose of the series. Um, but the new year kind of brings a fresh start. It brings this, this new idea and this new hope of um, what's coming next and, and what, you know, what how do we want to live our lives? As many of you probably did, you, your new year's resolution obviously was to sleep in and come to second service. That's why we're super packed today. That's a joke. It's okay. Um, And so what we're going to talk about um, today is what if as a church we started off the year strong? What if we started to incorporate some regular spiritual disciplines in our lives to help us grow closer to and with Jesus over the course of this year uh, and moving forward? And we believe that this would be um, life-changing, not just for Genesis Church, but individually for each of us. And the timing of this series really is perfect coming out of the With series that we've been in in December, where we've been talking about this powerful truth of Emmanuel, God with us, that God's Spirit lives and dwells inside of each of his believers. And so what would it look like then as a church to walk closely and intimately with God this year? What would it look like to remain in him and abide in him just as Jesus taught his disciples and teaches us to do. Because I think it's fair to say all of us want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. I assume that's why many of you are here today. You want to grow in your relationship with him. And the problem is either no one's ever really taught you what that looks like practically, um, or maybe you just got to a place where you're, you you become a little bit lazy or complacent in that relationship, or maybe you've just been caught up in the busyness that is life. Um, whatever it is, um, this year we want to focus on the God that is with us, that promises to be with us, and for us to walk closely with him. And so our, uh, our kind of inspiration verse for this, this series this month is Hebrews twelve one through two. I wanna read it for you this morning. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the, the author is speaking about uh, the heroes of the faith that he was just referring to in the previous chapters. He says, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, heroes of the faith cheering us on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The analogy that the writer uses here, uh, it's, it's helpful and it's assumed that you would know as a runner, you're not going to enter into a race half-heartedly as a runner entering into a race you expect there to be challenges you expect there to be hardships uh, maybe even injuries along the way that you're going to have to overcome running a race takes perseverance and it takes a pushing of oneself And and the greater point that that the author is making here in Hebrews is on this side of heaven a life and faith in pursuit and after Jesus it's like a race it has a beginning point, and it has a finish line. The moment we started following Christ, we began this beautiful race. And just like a race, our faith journey on this earth It's going to be filled with complications and challenges and hardships. And so the writer of Hebrews says that we should throw off everything that hinders us, any unnecessary weights. And this doesn't necessarily mean sins. The author is saying, hey, anything that, is, that you are carrying unnecessarily for this race, throw that off. But also, along with that, the sins that so easily entangle us, whatever those are, let's throw those off. Why? All of this so we can run the race well. And how do we do this? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And that's the purpose of this series, Strong Start, that we're in. It's to encourage us to fix our eyes on Jesus as we all collectively run this race together. So as we begin today, let's fix our eyes on Jesus even now as we pray. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for another opportunity to come together as your church, as your body as believers who are here for one thing, and that's you, to worship you, to praise you, and for you to speak to us even today, to encourage us, to challenge us, to convict us. Father, we trust your Holy Spirit will speak to each of us individually in the way you want to speak to us today. Give us hearts that are open, um, ears that are listening, willing bodies who are willing to be and ready to be obedient to whatever it is that you have to say to us today. Father, we are listening, we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. All right, how many of you have ever heard of the phrase, you are what you eat? Anyone? Okay, my mom used to say it to me growing up, and this week I decided I would Google it because I was curious to know where this came from, where, where this phrase came from. It was not shocking to learn um, that it refers to the notion that to be healthy, you need to eat uh, nutritional food, right? So I guess my mom was right all along, living off of peanut butter and jellies probably isn't the best thing. But the idea originally appeared in 1826 when a French lawyer, politician, and famous gastronome wrote this, tell me what you eat... And I will tell you what you are. And then the phrase resurfaced again almost 100 years later in the 1920s when nutritionist Victor Lindlar used it in association with bad food by saying that 90% of the diseases known to man are caused by cheap food. And then he said this, you are what you eat. Now, while Google argues that uh, this idea surfaced back in the 1820s, I want to petition that Jesus really addressed this idea uh, over 2,000 years ago uh, when he was confronting a group of Pharisees who were trying to accuse him of blasphemy. Only Jesus wasn't talking about healthy foods or healthy eating habits, at least not in the physical sense. Um, He was talking about what he often talked about, the heart. Not the organ, but the innermost part of who we are. He says this in Matthew 12, starting in the back end of verse 34. He says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What's Jesus' point? You are what you eat, you become what you consume. If you put in good, good comes out. If you put in evil, evil comes out. And it's certainly true um, with the physical food that we eat, but it's also true on a spiritual level with the things that we consume daily with our eyes and with our ears. Now, I'll just come out and I'll tell you that um, the heart of today's message really is personal to me and comes from a recent place of conviction just over a month ago. Uh, there are a lot of TV shows that my wife and I enjoy watching. It's one of the ways that we'll wind down in the evenings and spend time together. And as a result, we can quote some of the lines from these shows really, really well. Um, And so we can be, we can see something or hear something and we'll look at each other and like in unison, we will say a the same line from a show. And sometimes nothing even needs to be said. We just look at each other across the room and we smile because we already know what the other person is thinking. Um, And I'm sure many of you in here can relate with that, whether that's a relationship you have with a spouse or even with a close friend. Um, And it's sweet. It's part of my relationship with my wife Haley, but About a month ago or so, uh, after laughing with Haley and we were quoting a line from a show, I, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, Michael, what if you knew my word as well as you know the lines from these TV shows? And it was in that moment that I was reminded of that phrase that my mom used to say, you are what you eat. You become what you consume what you put in is going to come out. And the reality is I didn't set out to memorize lines from a TV show. It's not why I watched them, but I consumed so much of it that it began then to overflow out of me. And I believe what was spoken to me on that day isn't just for me, that's God's desire for all of his children. It's, it's his desire for everyone who follows Jesus. It's, it's his desire and his, his, his heart for the church. He loves all of us so much. He wants us to know him better than we know anyone or anything else. And so today we're going to talk about the importance of what we put in, what we put in our heart. Uh, more specifically, the importance of meditating on and hiding God's word in our hearts Because if we want to run the race well, if we want a strong start, we're going to need to hide God's word securely in our hearts. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the back of the room you can grab. And if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that Bible as a gift from us to you today. Psalm 119 is not only the longest Psalm in the Bible, but it's also the longest chapter in the Bible. But we're not going to go through all of it today, so don't worry. We're going to look at one verse, (coughs) excuse me, Psalm 119, verse 11, says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, I want to stop for a moment and ask a seemingly obvious question. Why do you think somebody might hide something? What's the purpose of hiding something? I think, there's a, I think there's a couple of reasons why we might hide something. One is that we hide things that are valuable to us. We hide things that matter to us, that we care about. And the second is that we hide things we don't want to be stolen. We hide things we don't want to be taken from us. Growing up, I can remember my dad um, kept some really important items, I'm not even sure what they were, locked up in a safe deposit box at the bank. No idea why he did that as a kid, honestly didn't think much of it until I got a little bit older and began to understand um, he wanted to protect the things that were really valuable to him. He wanted to hide them somewhere that was not easily accessible to other people, where a thief would not have easy access to it. And this is what the psalmist is saying. This is what the psalmist has discovered. He's discovered the value of God's word. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Your word matters so much to me. It is so valuable to me that I have put it in a place where it cannot be taken from me. And this is such a a simple but a profound truth that I think would be easy just to move right past. But I want to stop and I want us to ask ourselves this important question The question of, have I discovered the value of God's word? In my own life, have I discovered the value of God's word? Do I treasure it as the psalmist seems to treasure his word? Have I discovered the truth of what 2 Timothy 3 says, that all scripture is God-breathed, that all of the Bible is God-inspired, Or as the writer in Hebrews proclaims, for the word of God is alive and is active. That his word is actually living and speaks to us. Do we understand its value and do we treasure it? Have I discovered the value of God's word? Various writers... um, in Scripture speak about the importance of reading God's Word in our lives. Um, but today, I want to share a few reasons why it's not only important to read God's Word, but to really know it. And by knowing, allowing the power of God's Word to actually begin to reshape our lives. And we're going to look at a few different reasons why today it's so important to hide God's Word in our heart. And the first one is this. We hide God's Word in our hearts because they have the power to transform our lives in Romans, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to Christians in Rome, and he says this. Many of you probably know this verse. Romans twelve two. he says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you've grown up in the church like me, you've probably heard this verse before. Some of you maybe even memorized it in Sunday school growing up. Um, But a few years ago, and I was reading through and studying through the NLT version, this is NIV that I just read to you, um, it stood out to me a little bit more plainly, and I want to share it with you. Romans 12.2 says this uh, in NLT, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be like the world. (laughs) But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And I don't know why, but that just clicks for me. Allowing God to renew your mind, simply put, is God is the one that transforms and renews our minds when we allow him to change the way that we think. It's God that transforms the way we think. It's his word that actually reveals to us his will will for each of us. When we hide God's word in our hearts, we begin to let him shape the way that we view the rest of the world. And this impacts everything in our life. This changes everything in our life. It impacts the way that we think and we we treat ourselves, but uh, it also impacts the way that we think and we treat people like our family. Um, or um, our friends, or our neighbors, or our coworkers, or even our enemies. It also changes the way that we deal with things like stress and worry and anxiety in our life. When we, get, when we begin to meditate on God's word instead of TV shows, or social media, or the news, or work, or money, or sports, and the list goes on and on. We actually begin to find peace in our life instead of anxiety. We begin to experience joy instead of anger or sorrow, trust in him instead of worry. I mean, think what kind of transforming power does a quote from a show have? Not really any. And there's nothing wrong with, and I'm not claiming that there's anything wrong with knowing a line from a TV show, of course not. But they have no spiritual or eternal power. They're lifeless words that are spoken. And I'll admit to you today, I'll be the first to admit to you today, I don't have anything we're talking about today figured out for myself. I am learning alongside each of you um, what it means to hide God's word in my heart. And over the last month or so specifically, I've been working on just some small, tangible steps to allow God's word to begin to penetrate my heart and my mind. Um, One of the ways that I've been doing this is simply by replacing the things that I listen to when I am doing just like mindless work in the office or at home. Like instead of just having like the TV playing behind with the news or whatever it might be, or just a random playlist of music, I specifically put together a playlist that is artists that are singing the Psalms or singing uh, words right out of God's word. And what's crazy about it is it shouldn't be shocking, but what's shocking is it's began to transform my life because what gets stuck in my head? What do I find myself singing? Not just a bunch of nonsense, but instead I'm actually singing God's word. Another practical thing that I've done um, recently is finding a default place in the Bible that I go to when I don't know what else to read. I don't know how many of you have a default TV show that you resort to in the evening when you don't know what else to watch. You're like, all right, we'll just turn this on. This is the, th- the show we go to. Um, I thought, why don't I have that in scripture, a place that I just go to when I don't know what else to read? So for me, recently, it's been Ephesians. I just keep going back to Ephesians. I'm not telling any of you that has to be your default passage, but that's just where I've been, I've been going. And, and as I've been doing that, this same thing that was happening with TV shows is beginning to happen as I read Ephesians repetitively. I'm beginning to know Ephesians better, remember it, and also even understand it in a way that I haven't before. And these are just suggestions and ideas. We could go on and share different ideas about writing down uh, scripture on a note card and putting it by your bed or putting it throughout the house, just different ways to be taking in God's word and consuming his word day in and day out. The, the, the more that we meditate on, the more that we spend time with God's word, the better ultimately we're going to know God's voice in our life, with, which leads me to our second point today. We hide God's word in our heart to know his voice more intimately than any other voice. In chapter 10 of John's gospel, Jesus is speaking to a group of Pharisees, and he's using the analogy of a shepherd. And his sheep to describe this relationship um, that the believers have with Jesus, that we have with Jesus. The sheep are all those who follow Jesus, and the shepherd is Jesus himself. He says this John 10, 4 through 5. After he, this is Jesus, has gathered his own flock, all of the believers, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And then he goes on and he says, They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And then Jesus begins and goes on to talk about the fact that we have a real enemy, the devil, that he has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but that Jesus, the good shepherd, came that we might have life and have it to the full. Now, if you have kids, you may have experienced just a a glimpse of what it's like for someone to know your voice very intimately. Now, while my older two kids seem to be losing their hearing these days, our our most recent addition to our family has reminded me um, how attentive babies are to the voice of their parents. Here's a picture of our four-month-old, this is Miles. Um, And when I get home each day and I'm talking with the family and catching up with them, I can be sure of one thing. Somewhere in our living room is going to be this little chubby-faced baby with his deep blue eyes just locked onto me the whole time I'm talking. And just like Miles hears my voice and ignores everything else when I'm speaking, the same is true when we get to know our Heavenly Father's voice. When we, get to, when we understand and we know his voice more intimately than any other, it changes things In our lives. When we hide God's word in our heart, God's voice starts to become the loudest voice that we hear. His voice begins to drown out the voice of the rest of the world and the enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Which brings us to our third point today. We hide God's word in our hearts so that we won't sin against him. This is the larger point the psalmist was making in one nineteen, eleven. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we hide his word in our heart, his living and his active word becomes a defense against the enemy and against the spiritual forces that are at work each and every day all around us. In, in Matthew chapter 4, we see the fruit of what it looks like when God's word has taken root in our heart. And it's Jesus. Matthew records Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith Starting in verse 1, he says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, I bet he was very hungry. Then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, if you have been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, this is a real temptation a real temptation to turn these stones into bread. And who could do that? Jesus could do that. But listen how Jesus responds. He says this, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not only does Jesus quote scripture to the enemy, to the devil, but he actually says in this, in this scripture that we are not to live on just physical food, but spiritual food, God's word, the word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, verse 6. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Notice how now the, the enemy is using God's word but twisting it and we talked about knowing a voice intimately. I had a conversation with my kids recently, and I I asked them, hey, what if I told you I heard your mom say, and then I just made up something that my wife would never say? And they both looked at me, and they're like, no, mom would never say that. And then I gave them another phrase, and they're like, no, mom would never say that. Why? Oh, mom doesn't talk like that. When we know God's voice, we know the difference between someone who's twisting his words and what he's actually saying. And that's what Jesus does. He answers him and he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse eight, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left. The devil fleed, and angels came and attended to Jesus. What overflowed out of Jesus in a time of desperation and physical hunger and weakness? It was God's precious, living, and active word. God's word that brings life to all who receive it, but also strikes down the enemy who tries to come against it. We hide God's word in our hearts so that we will not sin against him. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. He's speaking of God's word, meditates, delights in God's word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Continues to bring us back to that first question really of, have I discovered the value of God's word? In my own life, have I discovered the treasure of God's word? And I want you to hear me say this today, that if you go home today or this week or the coming year, and you read your Bible Because a pastor at Genesis Church told you to, or because you carry some level of guilt as a Christian or feel like I'm not as good of a Christian as I should be because I'm not reading the Bible as much as I think I should be, and you approach Scripture that way, you will miss out on the joy of God's word. You will miss out on it because the Pharisees approach God's word in a very similar way. In fact, they memorized the entire Torah, the entire Old Testament. They memorized it. They studied it diligently. But in John chapter 5, Jesus says this to them in verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the, the most religious and the most devoted followers of God's word actually missed the word, the word that came in flesh, Jesus himself. They memorized and they meditated on God's word. They followed his laws and his regulations, but they missed Jesus along the way. The point of today's message is not to convince you or guilt you into reading your Bible more. The hope is that you might come and find Jesus in his word. The purpose of today is to remind you of the great love, really, that your heavenly Father has for you, that he loves you so much that he sent his Son to save you. The greatest treasure you and I have is Jesus himself. And it's that gift, it's, it's that love of the Father that, that draws us to his word, to know his voice. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. Jesus is the son of the living God. Jesus is the son of the God who created all things. And he came to this earth and he lived a perfect and a spotless and a sinless life. And he died for all of your mistakes and mine and your sins and mine. And he did it so that you could be reconciled, so that you could be restored back to God, your Heavenly Father, so you could have a new life and a new way of living on this earth, but also for eternity. And to receive this new life, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. And putting your faith in Jesus is simply admitting, I am broken. I am imperfect. I have made mistakes. I am a sinner. And even though I have made many mistakes in my life, you're saying, I choose to believe and trust in Jesus and put my faith in him, put my faith in his perfect grace and his perfect work that covers all of my sins through his death and his resurrection. And if you've made that decision recently or you want to make that decision today, I want to encourage you to come and find me or find one of our staff after service. One, because we would just love to celebrate with you this new life in Jesus, but also to answer any questions that you might have. But whether you are choosing to follow Jesus today for the first time or you gave your life to him many years ago, hear me when I say, memorizing and meditating on God's word, it is important. It is but to hide his word in our hearts, we have to move past just cognitive memorization and just going through the motions. And it has to move from head and mind to heart, allowing his word to actually impact our life and shift the way that we view everything else. God gave us his word ultimately for us to experience a relationship with his son, Jesus. And to hide, to hide God's word in our heart is really to recognize all scripture points back to Jesus, points back to the son. So it's a delight in God's word is really to delight in Jesus himself. I love the way the psalmist describes his desire for the Lord. In Psalm 42, one through two, he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Does your soul thirst for the living God today? Does it long to be with him? I want to encourage you this year. Come and meet God in his word. Hide his word in your heart. Hide it where it is secure. Hide it where it's safe, where no one can steal it from you. And let God's word, let his word satisfy every need that you have. Will you pray with me? Father, that's my prayer for for Genesis Church this year, but more specifically, individually, each person sitting in a chair here today, God, that we would discover the value of your word, that through your great love that you have for us, we would be drawn to your word and we would treasure it, your word that brings life, your word that changes everything, God, I pray this year that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path as we learn to hide your word in our heart. Come in and transform us from the inside out. We want to know your voice more intimately than any other voice. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who covers all of our sins in his perfect through his perfect sacrifice on the cross, God. And let us rest in that truth as we walk in his righteousness daily. pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.